We're going through the series Identity, Our Identity in Christ. And today we're looking at eternal life in Christ. So why on earth do I have a picture of that? those people? Who can tell me who they are? But, but who can be really even more specific and tell me the exact time that that was taken in the Beatles' life? <laughs> do we have any Beatle maniacs here? Oh, no, 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 What album was it from? No, 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 okay, sorry, I'll stop. It's the White Album, 1967, 1968. And what's so interesting about that, it's probably the height of their fame. They were incredibly popular, they were, they were revered, they were worshipped, they, were, they had millions and millions of young girls screaming. Do you remember the pictures? Just absolute mania. And so you would think if that was happening, they are very secure, very confident guys. At the height of when that was happening, Ringo Starr, which one's Ringo? In, which one? The one second from the right. Oh my gosh! You are you are young, aren't you? <laughs> now that's Ringo on the far right. So he's the he. What, what did he play? Drums. Okay, yeah, okay. So he said this at this time when this album was being recorded, and I thought this is just such a, a beautiful segue into this topic on eternal life in Christ. I felt I wasn't playing great. I also felt the other three were really happy and I was an outsider. I went to see John Lennon, the, the one on that, who was living in my palm with Yoko Ono. I said, I'm leaving the group because I'm not playing well and I feel unloved and out of it. And you three are really close. And John said, I thought it was you three. So then I went over to Paul McCartney's, I knocked on his door, I said the same thing. I'm leaving the band. I feel that you three are really close and I'm out of it. And Paul said, I thought it was you three. And so at this time when they're at the height of their fame, there's so much insecurity. You know, it, it, it just blows me away when you, when you sort of read that statement you realise this is a band that sold something like 600 million albums, more than anyone ever. And yet it, at the height of their fame, they were so insecure. All of them were just going, oh, you know, I just feel so, feel like I'm out of it, you know, an outsider. And it's so funny, as I sort of think about the Christian faith and everything we have in Christ, I'm astounded to think that any of us would think we were outsiders, seeing, oh, it's everyone else and not me. And I want to explain that from starting with Ephesians 1.3, when Paul writes these words, and we, we know them well, God has blessed you in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. Or as the Passion Translation says, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm has already been lavished upon us as a love gift from our wonderful heavenly Father, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, or because he sees us wrapped in the Christ. That is why we celebrate him with all our hearts. It's an astounding verse. It sort of says, wow, when angels look on, when, when the heavenly realms look on, they look at us and go, you guys 
are amazing. You, you guys are astounding. If you would realise who you were, you, are not, you would not be insecure. You would feel like the most famous person, the most famous church, the most famous group of believers that's ever set foot on this earth. That's what he's saying. Like, if, if we realised who we are and what we have, we would just be staggered to realise how famous we are in the heavenly realms. You know, John 3.16, it's one of the most well-known verses in the Bible. It tells us, basically, that God has given Jesus, so if we believe in him, we don't perish, we will not perish, but that we have eternal life. And it's important that we read that. It's not will have eternal life, it's have eternal life. And I want to make, just look at six amazing statements. There's so many in relation to eternal life. But these are six that I just want to sort of allow us to get inspired by. This is from the Word of God to explain to us what we have, how famous we are in the heavenly realms. The first is eternal life is the free gift of God. In in Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. As it says in John 3.16, God gave his only son that whoever, whoever believes will not perish but have eternal life. So eternal life isn't sold to the highest bidder. So God sold his only son to the highest bidder. He gave it, he gave his only son. Whoever, whosoever would believe in Jesus will receive eternal life. Not just the highest bidder, but the, the most wretched, the most poor, Anybody who will just see what an amazing gift Jesus was will receive back this great gift of eternal life. If I said to you, for example, I've got a great gift. Ben, your phone's broken, mate. So I'm going to give you my phone. It's right next to you. It's a $1,000 phone. I'm going to give it to you. This is just an example, by the way. (laughs) Here, here, Ben. Yeah, go and give it to mum. Mum, give it to him. You can have my phone. It's going to cost you $500. That's not a gift, is it? If I say I'm going to give you my phone, it's going to cost you. And I think one of the sad things is, you know, it doesn't cost anything. And that was just an example, Ben. Give it back to mum. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it doesn't cost us anything to have eternal life. God doesn't say, here, have eternal life. Now, if you work hard enough, if you do enough, then you can have this life. It's given freely to us. So first of all, eternal life is given freely to anyone who believes in the Son. The second is it's the present possession. We presently own it. Every believer. It says in John 3.16, God gave his only Son that whoever believes will not perish but have eternal life. Will not perish but currently has eternal life. John 5.24, truly, truly I say to you, he who hears my word, he or she who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment but has passed out of life into death. We have already passed out of life into death. <laughs> we have passed out of death into life. We have already. It's already happened. We are spiritually alive. We are spiritually alive. It's not something you just get when you die. It's something you receive when you trust in Jesus. Eternal life. 
That continues long after we leave this earthly body, but it's already started. It's not like a, a Christmas gift. Here you go, but you can only open it at Christmas time. We sit here. No, we already have it. We can already open it up now. We begin to enjoy the eternal life of Jesus Christ the moment we put our faith in Christ. Well, the third one, if you're already not just going, wow, that's, a, that's pretty cool, it's the outcome of a life of holiness. Looking at Romans 6.22, but now that you've been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life. So basically, now that we've received salvation, as we're slaves not to sin that enslaved us and and just caused our life to be a, a train wreck, we're now slaves to God. And if we just continue to follow him, continue to, to lead lives of holiness, the result is eternal life. That is, all that potential in us is unleashed as we become more holy. I reckon that's just amazing if we realise that. It's not just done so that God is somehow pleased with us. It's that life that's already in us, that potential of eternal life is unleashed as we trust in him and as we follow his rules. Melissa was sort of saying about meditation, you know. I hope people were okay about the word meditation. But it says in in Psalms that if I meditate on your Lord day and night, it says in Psalm 1 that he who does that is a blessed man. He who loves the word of God and meditates on it day and night. And as we do that, that we obviously expect results in our life. And one of the results is this eternal life, all this potential of eternity is unleashed in our daily lives. Again, another beautiful verse, Galatians 6.8. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. So we see eternal life unleashed in our lives as we lead a life of holiness. What a good incentive to want to lead a holy life, that we actually see some of that eternal life of God unleashed into our lives. Another one, eternal life is a weapon that gives us victory in our earthly life. 1 Timothy 6.12, fight the good fight, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. Take hold of it. Take a grip of the eternal life that is yours. It's like a weapon of faith. By faith, this eternal life power, I'll use the word power because it's from God, this eternal life power that we've got can be used as a weapon whenever we come across sin or or Satan tempts us or we have doubts, we have temptations or fears. This, This eternal life, I am God's forever, helps us in the now. And we see that with Paul. And, and again, it was, it's so lovely to see the Holy Spirit work. I, I, I sort of see it's already been spoken of, this whole idea of two Corinthians that we heard from Sue Lin. But, you know, Paul's, this is almost like Paul's word, Paul's sort of statement about how he lives his life. Therefore, we do not lose heart. And talking about what's, what's happening In the world, though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Here's Paul living 
that eternal life, understanding it and going, I don't care what's happening to me in the world. I don't care the problems that I'm going through. God's with me and I'm not going to be crushed by them. I'm actually going to see his glory unleashed as I trust in him. This faith that I have that he is going to be, I'm going to get through it, is actually going to help me see him just glorified in my situation. I think it's so beautiful, these light and momentary troubles. I mean, this was Paul 1940 years ago or something writing this stuff. And I'll tell you what, you read his story and it's pretty hard. But he's been in glory for 1940 years. I bet he doesn't sort of think too much about what happened back then. I think he's enjoying life and and that that faith that he had. No, I'm not going to let this sin crush me. I'm going to believe God. I'm going to believe that God's with me through it all. Eternal life is to know God. John 17.3, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the one true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. That's Jesus' definition of eternal life. It's to know God, to know Christ. It's not to know the Bible. So we can, we can read scriptures, we could read the whole Bible, couldn't we? And and yet still not know God. A non-believer could do that and still not know God. But the whole point of eternal life is to know God and it's not just know about him. Jesus is saying, you can know God. It's, it's like, you know, I could know about Malcolm Turnbull but I don't know him. Well, it's not saying, you know, eternal life, what Jesus has done, isn't just so we can sort of hear stories about what Jesus did 2,000 years ago. It's actually allowing us to be in a relationship with God right now, right here and now, as we walk the streets of Blackheath and the Upper Mountains. We, We know God, God's with us. Our precious Abba Father is with us. Jesus, our best friend, is with us every step of the way. The last one though, they're all good, but the last one is, I think, the crux. Eternal life, not just in Christ, but eternal life is Christ. 1 John 1, 1 to 2. What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we looked at and touched with our hand concerning the word of life, And the life was manifested and we have seen and testify and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. Jesus is the one who was from the beginning, he's the one they saw, the one they heard, the one they touched. And he's the one who is eternal life that was manifested to them and manifested to us. So many people if they just think that eternal life is some gift that God gives us. That's a very poor understanding of eternal life. Eternal life is Christ. Jesus is eternal life. Jesus is the way, the truth and the life, the resurrection and the life. So it's the eternal life of God given to us. It's God himself. It's God's life. So therefore it's a completely different kind of life to the life we had before we were a believer. We have God, we have Jesus, Jesus in us and with us every step of the way. 
Our life is weak, our life is temporary. God's life is powerful and permanent and with us. So summarising just that, those six things, it's at least the free gift of God, the present possession of those who believe, the outcome of a life of holiness. It's a weapon that gives us victory in our earthly life. It is to know God and Jesus Christ and it is Christ. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that inspiring? That's us. That's our potential. That's fame and fortune right there if if we understood exactly what we have. So, So why is it when we see Jesus, the man, walking around with such staggering fruit, why is it we don't think that's for us? Why is it we sort of, that was then but this is now? You know, Jesus, when he was filled with the Holy Spirit at his baptism, he was just unleashed into the world, wasn't he, to see the kingdom of God and to proclaim the kingdom of God, to see it unleashed in the temporal, to see it unleashed in the world around him. And that's exactly what God would want for us, that no matter what we're doing, no matter where we are, that that kingdom of God that's with us can be unleashed no matter where we are. Isn't that just amazing for our, when we think about where we work or our homes or our families or or anything, that somehow no matter where we are, we we have this Jesus with us and in us, eternal life, that can see that kingdom of God break out in those situations. Even Peter, you know, when Jesus proclaimed that lives were changed, the dead were raised. Peter even says in John 6:68, "Lord, to whom shall we go? Who else shall we go to, Lord? You have the words of eternal life." That when He speaks, when He speaks, things change. And when you hear that, why do you want to go anywhere else? You know, they're the words we can speak life into situations. And yet Jesus, even death couldn't hold Him down. And even when He'd been raised to heaven, He was still appearing to people. He's alive. So what would it look like if we believed and lived out that we embody Jesus here? Again, it just has the potential to change everything. If we look seriously at that biblical understanding of of eternal life, spiritually anybody who is outside the kingdom of God, outside of Christ, is dead. He's spiritually dead, yet we are eternally alive and have the eternal life in us and with us. And I'm going to look at, at, I believe, as I've sat on this and have seen the eternal life of God starting to be unleashed through me, and I'm talking about me here, just as I've personally seen it, I think it's inspiring for the people of God here to see how, what God's doing and just wants to do amongst us. And I think I want to start by saying discern first and foremost what's your most favourite story about Jesus? Your most famous story. The one that just really gets you to the core. And, and I'm going to give you time to think about that later. But I just want to say it's treating Jesus as if he is indeed, as it says in Hebrews 3, 13, 8, Jesus is the same, I'm not sure if I've got it there, I do. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. 
treating Jesus like he hasn't changed. He's still as powerful as he ever was. Now, there are different stories about Jesus. Jesus is many things and did many things. I've got some of them up there. Yeah, just, just the way. Is it, is it the way that Jesus just had a determination to do his Father's will no matter what? Does that just really talk to you? Or is it just sitting at his feet, that story about just sitting at Jesus' feet gives you joy? Are you passionate for justice like Jesus was, to see the oppressed set free, the captives released? Is it just the amazing forgiveness of Jesus? He was just so unconditionally forgiving to everybody. The fact that he was the beloved son of God. He was an amazing teacher. He spoke and was with authority. Is it that he's an incredible healer? Or something else. What is your most favourite story of Jesus? You know, my favourite story has to be Mark 9. And in Mark 9, we see Jesus, at the first part of Mark, we see Mark 9, Jesus is up on a mountain and it's the transfiguration and Peter and John are there and they just see Jesus as he really is, the glory of God upon him, transfigured, not just Jesus the man, but he's the Son of God in all his glory, the Father saying, this is my Son, do what he says. And you know, can you imagine being in the presence of God like that? And Peter and, and, and John, they sort of, oh, I'm not sure what to do. Anyway, they go down the mountain and there are the disciples of Jesus having an argument with other people and Jesus goes, well, what's going on here? And, and this man basically says, this poor guy who's brought his demon-possessed son to Jesus just says, I just brought him to your disciples, just to, you know, your disciples. They couldn't, couldn't do anything. You know, Jesus, these are your disciples and they couldn't do anything. And Jesus' words were, were scathing. In verse 19 he says, you unbelieving generation, how long do I have to put up with you? And just that whole thing, Jesus' disciples being told, man, what are you doing? You can't, you can't even get rid of a demon? One demon? How long am I going to put up with you? And, and as he, Jesus talks to this man, he just says, you know, what happens in this man? Oh, it's my son. He's just so, it's just horrible to see him go through. The fits go through it all. And, and I, just, I just wish, is there anything you can do? Can you do anything for him, Jesus? And Jesus' words in verse 23, anything is possible for him who believes. Anything is possible. And this, this man, I hear his heart, I do believe. I do believe you're God. I do believe you could do it. Just help my unbelief. You know, those words just, just stick in my soul. They're words as I hear them. I, I look at what God's done in my life. I look at how I've been so set free. And I've shared with many of you what happened about half a lifetime ago. Just how, how free I've been set. The, those who are set free are free indeed. Just the, the, the spiritual freedom, the, you know, the, the mental freedom, the physical freedom that I have now. Oh, I just want to see it. I want to see it unleashed in this world. I believe, I do believe God. Anything's possible. And that's just been planted on my heart. So for me, it's Jesus the healer. Jesus, I do believe you heal today. You've, look what you've done in my life. Multiply it. And so that's just sat in my spirit for, for my whole Christian life. Lord, do what you've done in and through, in me, through me. 
And the second one, Jesus, I believe your words are words of eternal life. They're still relevant today. So that story that you're just so excited about, that's relevant today. Whatever it is, that's relevant for today. We're not expected to be passionate about everything, but we are expected to be passionate about something. This is my story. This is my song. This is what Jesus has done in me. And I want to see him do it in so many other people. So when you read what he did in his earthly life, imagine that he wants to do it through you. Again, as I think about my own story, Mark 16, 17 to 18, these signs will accompany those who believe in my name, da, da, da. They will place hands on sick people and they will get well. I just think, oh, you know, it, it says they will and, and they will. <laughs> So why not today? And so for me, that's always sat there. I believe, Lord, they're relevant today. You know, some Christians may say, oh, you don't look at that part of Mark. That's an add-on that was added later. Oh, no, that that's just grieves me when I think that God, who's the same yesterday, to, today and forever, who lives in me, could do this, still today could do that. So believe they're relevant today. And here's the one I just think, Sue Lynn, you just nailed it. This is the thing that just stands, probably forget everything else I say, but this is just the thing that stands paramount today. Persistence, don't give up. And as I was just walking yesterday, the words that I believe the Lord gave me, three words, God honours faithfulness. Not just faith, we've, we've, we've put our faith in God, and it's not just faith today. Oh Lord, I trust you today which is very important. It's a process. It's a period. It's a season of faithfulness. Showing faithfulness when the, even though the vines aren't fruiting. Yet I will trust in God. I believe, God, that you still are a healer. I believe you can do this. I believe you're still the best teacher, even though people don't listen to you. I believe that I'm beloved of God, even though I don't feel it. Now, whatever it is, I just believe that it's the same yesterday and today and forever. You know, the persistent widow, in Luke 18, 1, when we read the, the, the parable of the persistent widow, why does Jesus say it? Well, he says in verse 1, Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them they should always pray and not give up. Keep praying, keep seeking God for this thing that he's put on your heart, seeking to see him work in your life. And Matthew 7, 7 to 8 you know, we, we sometimes read, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and the door will be open. All those things. But it's, it's more this idea of a persistent. Ask and keep on asking and it will be given to you. Seek and keep on seeking and you will find. Knock and keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who keeps on asking receives and he who keeps seeking finds. And to him who keeps on knocking it will be open. Keeps on and sometimes we sort of give up too quickly. Oh, it didn't work. Oh, well, maybe, maybe God doesn't want to do that thing. Keep on, keep on, keep on. You know, for nine years before I came here, I led a healing room in Newtown and I was so tempted to give up. There were times when I thought, maybe God doesn't heal anymore. Maybe they're right. Or maybe we just, God's calling us to close. But then at those times, God would do something. It's like, oh, you know, maybe, okay, guys, maybe we should just pray 
Maybe he's asking us to close it down. And then we just pray for someone that day and something happens amazing. It's like, oh. Sometimes we'd go in there so full of faith, oh, we're going to see miracles today, nothing would happen. Other times, like I say, we would just go there and say, I suppose, may as well pray, we're here, and then God would do something. Just this encouragement to keep going, just keep persisting. And it was so interesting, in 2014, I went to a healing rooms conference and it was basically directors from all around Australia, from different healing rooms, and they all got up one after the other and said, oh, you should see what God's doing in our healing rooms. Everyone's getting healed, we're getting these, you know, just this heaven on earth sort of stuff. And, and they got to me and I said, I've loved your guys' stories, but God's not doing any of that at our healing rooms, you know. We, we're finding it really tough, we're finding it tough to get, to get team members we, we just pray for people and nothing happens, you know, but we're still persisting. And the man who spoke, he was a guy called Jim White, very just, not only high up in healing rooms, but a man who had seen miraculous things happen, the dead raised, you know, an incredible guy. And he just said, you know, I love your stories, but I relate most to Andy's. He said, you know, I, was, I felt called to the healing ministry and it seemed whenever I would pray for someone, they would get worse. And I became known as someone, if you, you, know, if, if you want them to, you know, if, if you really think you know, someone's going to die, just get Jim to pray for them and they will. It was just this poor guy. It was like, it was, for, for a time, that was how he felt. It's like, oh, I pray for someone and they get worse. But he just said, then something changed. As I kept doing that, something changed and now I am just seeing miracle after miracle after miracle. And so he, 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 he encouraged me to persevere with this call and yet if God's called you to healing Andy, just persevere. And now when I see what God's doing, how things have changed, how Cole can get up last week and talk about a dissolved kidney stone, two dissolved kidney stones and we, we pray for dear Rosa. Is it still, still good? Let's, let's see. There we go, it looks still right here. Yeah, stuff like that. It's almost like, oh man, I knew he could do it. I knew he could do it. And that's why if, if you speak to Mary, I think it was 1997, there was a woman came here and just spoke over Mary, that there, there would be a healing ministry in this church and that Mary would run it. And then I think, you know, was it 2014, you went to a, a healing conference in Malaysia or Singapore. So, so God's been prompting this church, persist and you will see it. So, so it's not as if it's some sort of fly-by-night thing that God's doing here. He's put it on the heart of me, put it on the heart of this church that God can still heal today. The eternal life of God is still relevant today in this way. So the fourth thing, and of course this relates to whatever else happens, he gets the glory. It's him who gets the glory. Paul's words in Galatians 2.20 Apply these to you. You have been crucified with Christ. You no longer live, but Christ lives in you. The life you now live in the body, you live by faith in the Son of God who loved you and gave himself for you. It's not Andy that heals people or Mary or whatever. It is Christ in me that imparts the healing to others. I'm just a believer who believes it's still true, who believes God's called me to that ministry and just persists until I see it. So it's beautiful. 
to see God trusting me. And there's a beautiful story, I haven't got it here, but just there was one time, I think it was in, it was in one of the Gospels, I was actually at, at Morling College telling this stuff to Morling College about what God's doing here. And it was just this story about how when, when they saw Jesus doing stuff and healing people and you know, just this incredible stuff that Jesus was doing, his teaching, it said they were amazed, the people were amazed. And then it says, and then they praised the God of Israel. And they didn't, it wasn't so much Jesus back then got the praise, but they saw beyond Jesus to God. And that's what I think we need today, that, that, that they don't just see us, they see Jesus in us. They see God somehow working through us. That, that I've died, and I love this picture, I don't know if you can see it. It's, it's, um, oh, I can use this pointer. So that's Jesus, and he's on a cross, that's one, it's sort of like a, an oblique view, I think you'd probably call it. That, um, that's sort of one end of the cross there, but, but if you can sort of see that, it's, it's almost like your hand is Jesus' hand and there's, there's the sort of nail right there in this person's hand, it's a tattoo. I think that's a beautiful example of what it is. It's, it's God in us being unleashed. And just one last example, I, I, I love this. Um, it's called the Crypt Keeper Wasp. You like this, Benny? This is, yeah, have a look, mate. It's called a Crypt Keeper Wasp. And what happens is uh, this wasp, or, or ordinarily in a tree, this particular tree, this wasp, just a, a gall wasp it's called, just sort of um, stings a tree and it forms a, a cavity in the tree and the wasp can then plant an egg in that tree. And, and in a healthy specimen, the, you can see the, the grub growing in, in, the, in the cavity and then in a healthy specimen, this wasp just can, can dig out. There's something called a crypt keeper wasp. What it does, once the little bug is, uh, the gall wasp is in that cavity, this horrible crypt keeper wasp lays an egg into the bug. And this crypt keeper wasp larva starts growing in the bug and changing the bug, or changing the bug, changing its mindset. And so it will force the gall wasp to dig a hole, but dig it small enough that it can't get out. It gets its head out, but not its body. And what then happens is that this horrible crypt keeper wasp burrows through the head of the gall wasp and kills it. And so this, and you can see there the crypt keeper wasp is just this new baby is just released. It's a horrible story, but just this whole idea of something kills something so that it can live. And, and it's an interesting thing. This, I've got a positive spin on this. An interesting thing because in a sense we, we are dead. We are dead. I have been crucified with Christ. See, the Andy that existed has gone. But I want to see Jesus bursting through me. It won't happen immediately. And I think it's lovely that, that I have stories that he's done something and I've got amazing stories. But I always say, as I said to Morling, new stories, Lord. I want to see new stories of what God's doing in 2018 here in Blackheath. And I want to give God the glory. And if, and if, and if others come and just sort of go, what's God doing? We hear some stories. I think, no, no, no. It's, it's, it's just the same God who's ever always wanted to work through people. He just wants us. He just wants us to believe that this eternal life in us is worth something. It's worth everything. That this you know, life that he's given me, the Christ who lives in me, I just, want, I just want him to burst through in my situation. But it's not 
just a, you know, it's going to happen this week. It may, praise God, we need to be encouraged. But the whatever we have to offer God, he's able to use it for his glory. And we just, it's a persistence. Thank you, thank you so much, Sue Lynn, for your words, patiently enduring. And just those words, God honours faithfulness. He honours it. So I just want us to, in, in closing, I just want us to think of those things. Your, your most favourite story as you sit there. What's your most favourite story of Jesus? I've got, again, I've got those different things that I spoke about. But I just pray, again, as we just linger, what's God telling you through this story about what he wants to do through you? Is it, for example, the, I love this, you know, your favourite story is just, you know, you think about Mary and she's just rather than rushing around like Martha, just sits at Jesus' feet and gives God such, gives Jesus such a, 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 you know, she's doing the right thing, she's doing the best thing. And you just feel like, that's how I want to be for other people, Lord. I just see people running around and I just want to be someone that people can sit at my feet and just be with me and feel peace. I know there's people in here that they, they're already being used by God like that. They're like Jesus wherever they go and people in their mad lives just sit at these people's feet, just, just sit in these people's presence and feel the peace of God. You know, there's so many other things there. What is it? Passionate for justice. You, you think, man, Jesus, he, he just turned the tables of the temple. He was so angry at the injustice in the world. I want, I want, to, I want to have that passion. I want to have that effect. Not just the act, but actually the effect of changing the world around me through my, just the, the injustice I see, my indignation at the injustice I see. Whatever it is, are there things there you sort of feel, I just want to be like that. I want to feel like a beloved child of God. I want to feel like I'm loved by God. You could grow into any of those things. I'm just going to ask you to sit in that place and just offer them to God. Here I am, God. I just want to see you you are the same yesterday, today and forever. I want to be like that. And one last scripture, 2 Corinthians 3.18 talks about we are being transformed into Christ's image. Just like that little bug that I showed. You know, we are being transformed. If we persist with the Lord, it's happening already. That we're not, you know, we're not the same as we first were. We're strong in the Lord. And so I just, I just pray maybe... Actually, no, I'm not going to get the musicians to come up. I just want, to, want us just to sit in that. Eternal life is Christ in you. Just think of that story. Just that, what is the main story that you think, man, I want to be like you, Jesus. Lord, I believe you've placed it on people's hearts already. They just have this favourite story. I want to thank you so much, Lord Jesus, for your, your death in our place, that you have become sin so that we may become your righteousness wherever we are. Lord, as you've placed it on people's hearts, their minds, just this is their favourite story, their favourite encounter in the Gospels. Lord, I pray they have the faith to believe 
that the words you spoke, the example you gave back then is relevant in this world that just, as you look at this world, as you look at Blackheath, I'm sure you would say, Lord, they're like sheep without a shepherd. The Lord, you would long for us to be like you, making that sort of change in today's world. Well, I thank you that your spirit lives in us and one of the wonderful fruits of the spirit is perseverance. The Lord, we, we would have your patience, patiently enduring, persisting, entrusting you. And Lord, whatever that, that story is, that you've placed on people, Lord, I, I pray you would give them the encouragement in their lives that, that you place that story in their life. You, you long to see them fruitful in this area. And just like that beautiful example of fruitfulness, Lord God, um, that when, when we do see our faith becoming sight, Lord, that it's you who gets the glory. <sighs> Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for, um, for trusting us, entrusting us with your kingdom work. Full. You know, it's, just, it's, it's, it's overwhelming sometimes when we think about what it could mean for us. But, Lord, I tell you what, we, we just want people to be amazed at you, Lord. We want to see that. We, we want to see people who, who even right now, they just need to be here, Lord. They need to hear these words of eternal life for themselves, Lord. And it's for them we pray too, Lord. The, 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 um, those that you would set free through us, through your work in us, would be set free and they would be free indeed, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.